welcome to another episode of Sonic Talk. This is the show that talks about music technology, music production, musical instruments, live production, software, hardware, synthesizers, drum machines, anything you care to imagine, and a lot of other things besides. Uh, we w- encourage you to subscribe if you're watching us via YouTube. Uh, unfortunately, Facebook Live Video is just not working today. I just cannot get a stream instantiated, so it's out of my hands, and that's what that's the sort of thing that happens once in a while. I've tried rebooting, I've tried logging in again, it just says, sorry, there was an unexpected error, whatever that means. So get it together, Facebook, and we'll be back next time. Anyway, I want to say welcome. Uh, welcome to our sponsors. Welcome to the chat room. Now, which button do I press for the chat room? There we go. Fill some chat room. That's at sonicstate.com forward slash live, our own IRC chat room. Or if you're watching via YouTube, you can uh, see us in the accompanying um, comments that go along with it. Hello to all of you people there as well. And I want to say thank you very much to our sponsors, Isotope, who will be giving away a copy of Vocal Synth a little later in the show. And you'll also find out whether you may have been a winner for last week. So anyway, let's get started. We'll start with uh, Mr. Mark Tinley, who's over there in Glastonbury, Sonus Magus. Or Ma- <laughs> is it Magus or Magus? I have no idea, actually. Um, Magus, Magus will do. I, I like I like it being Sonus Magus, I think. Yeah, But I then think I so. don't say Sonus as Sonus, I say Sunhouse. Sunhouse. Because the whole idea started off with cigar box guitars, so it's Sunhouse was a, one of the kind of early blues masters so ah. it's, a, it's a kind of quadruple triple play on, play on words all sorts of different things and of course duran duran's management company is also called magus entertainment so they say they say magus let's go with that magus Sonus magus excellent well mark has been uh, not with us recently this is half term so we've been able to get away but he's been uh, working on his uh, his store of musical curiosities and uh, technical innovations in Glastonbury, which you can find out all yes, about indeed. at Sonus Magus, right there. But it's good to have you aboard, Mr. Mark. Yeah, I, well, actually, I decided, uh, apart from the fact that I've got my own childcare issues during half-term, but half-term is just a complete nightmare. I've had like, oh, you've got every, loads of kids every parent in. coming in with their kids going, which guitar would you like to play, son? And I'm like... No, wait, I'm a shop. I sell guitars. I don't just let children play them. <laughs> um, so I thought I'd take the afternoon off to um, dust myself down from the beginning of the week. And then, you know, Thursday, Friday's onslaught of um, of young children will you, you know, you having be shop, ready shop again keeper, for tomorrow. Shopkeeper fatigue. Oh, <laughs> it is quite tiring, actually. <laughs> I mean, kids, because yeah. you have to, you, you can you get into some nice. great conversations with people's kids, actually, but... Because the adult is always, of course, like going, oh, no, 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 don't talk to the man, don't talk to the man. No, just, and the kid is like really curious because uh, this little girl came in yesterday and she was like, oh, wow, your shop is amazing. And I was just like, wow, thank you very much. And, um, you know, they're kind of taken by all the bright colours and all the weird stuff as as much as the adult. Yeah. Well, that's what you get. That, that's, the, that's the thing. Non-franchised commercial enterprises are a rarity in today's high street. So there you go. Indeed. So, uh, if I had uh, a pound for every person who'd said "wow" outside or inside my shop, I would be doing really well indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you mean uh, you need something that says uh, if a wow was a pound, we'd be we'd be millionaires. Something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, Mark, nice to have you aboard. Um, we'll we'll speak to you again in a, a short while. And we're also uh, very pleased to have Mr. Non-Eric from musotalk.de, the music Hello. technology and uh, and music production website in based in Berlin. How on earth are you, Mr. Non-Eric? Uh, reasonably fine. <laughs> Only reasonably? How is yes, this possible? Yes, but that has, these are personal uh, issues that have nothing to do with my job, with music production, anything. Ah, so what's happening in the world of Muso Talk then? Well, tomorrow we uh, have a podcast and it's all about self-marketing, self-distribution via digital providers. You know, how do I get my songs on Spotify and... Uh, iTunes and wherever you need them to be. Uh, this will be our topic tomorrow. And we're going to do a live stream. And we have somebody from TuneCore in the show. And then we just released on Monday, we released a video on the Spectrosonics Keyscape. And I went to the studio of Torsten Q. He's the musical director of Tangerine Dream. And we went through the plugin and... 
It was oh, great nice. because we found some really great sounds. And what was really great is because it's called collector's instruments, uh, there's a couple of really crazy toy pianos uh, sampled. And uh, Tost actually had the original sitting there next was to that him. The, was that the, um, the toy piano? Was that the, because um, there's a, oh, I forget the name of it now. What make was that? Can you can you remember off the top of your head? No, I can't. And uh, apparently, uh, th- I think they called a couple of uh, instruments toy piano. So I'm not sure whether that was to be supposed to be the category or an individual instrument. Oh, excellent! So, um, in terms of the distribution and marketing thing, uh, have you are you going to talk about Bandcamp as well? Because I know that's a pr- I don't know if that that, that is as uh, taken hold as much in Germany as perhaps in other other territories. Because it's what I use for my stuff, and it's really easy, and it's just you know, it's a no brainer. Mm. Uh, will it also get your tracks onto Spotify? Uh, no, it's not designed for that. It's just a kind of but but. Uh, so, are there are services now that will actually you know, fan out from a single point of upload then now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you upload to TuneCore or any other digital distributor and they will just uh, get it into, I think, almost like 50 different stores. You know, the, the most important ones obviously being iTunes and Spotify and they just deal with that. And there's different kind of models, uh, some charge um, a, a one-off fee for each track others will want the commission so that's probably the interesting part is you know what is best suited for you so if you yeah no i no that sounds that does sound actually very interesting if if only my german was as good as your english i would be enjoying that myself tomorrow because that sounds pretty good (laughs) but on that so mark where do you put your stuff for uh if people are gonna buy it um i put it on awal artists without a label.com or awal.com and they stick it on maybe 160 different services i think so it turns up on amazon and it turns up on spotify it goes into itunes but then i do also put it on bandcamp as well because it kind of makes sense to cover both bases and then sometimes i just throw things on soundcloud but then when my soundcloud account gets full i'm also guilty of throwing things on audio boom or is it called audio boo now actually thinking about it wow, um, so the, everywhere yeah those are just things i want people to hear i don't think there's a massive difference between what i want people to hear and what i want people to buy <laughs> <laughs> in other words uh, people listen to it and then they don't buy it so, um, so it doesn't make I, any difference <laughs> yeah so one day people will understand me <laughs> that's funny actually i don't this is a this is one of the issues because when you're uploading to Bandcamp or uploading all the artwork specifications are different and that's something that's a real pain so with these kind of distribution services do they uh do they actually create you know you just upload a master artwork and they sort yeah, yeah, it out yeah, you, like, you oh, upload yeah. a master and uh, for me uh, i think these kind of services have become essential because i tried a couple of years ago because i have a really huge back catalog from my label lunatech I figure almost 200 tracks and stuff like that. And, and obviously, I didn't want to go through a third party no, for sure. obvious reasons. But they did, they, they turned me down. Uh, Apple said, no, you're a small fish in a big pond. Go and get yourself a digital distributor. He will deal with you. We won't. We will not deal with you. So that's kind of a shame because actually there's no, no real reason. And especially since they sort of... Um, made a lot of propaganda for their new I, I even f- forgot what's it called in Apple Music oh, I don't know a special fan format that you can sort of do a miniature blog on Apple Music for your new stuff help uh, me out guys I forgot what's called I don't called. know what it's called Nobody I don't use it, it. <laughs> wow yeah. there's a massive problem with all this though isn't there because the massive problem is that the more people like us that upload our stuff into this a vast cloud of music uh the smaller we become if that makes sense it's because we become like a needle in a haystack and the likelihood of anybody finding my music and buying it is so small even though i am who i am <laughs> yeah no, well, that's <laughs> so, true. you know what i mean i yeah, mean you know well-known think- acts upload their music expecting to start to set you know to to get sales and nothing happens and they can't understand why so I it's can, only a part of the puzzle. I think we need yeah. to have some huge kind of very clever. I mean, have you dealt with that in your podcast? Yeah, that's. I think you're, you're talking about, about how, to, how to get heard. 
<laughs> I think there's this huge misunderstanding, misconception also um, because that's how they try to sell their digital service provision provider yeah, whatever, yeah, that's right. offer. Because yeah. you know? they, they give you kind of the impression that you upload and then you sell your music, which is total crap. It's, yeah. it's Nothing will happen because it's, it's basically just a tool. It's a kind of a software. It's a service. But just it's like if you would, it's like saying, oh, I had all these CD pressed, you know, made. I had 500 CDs and now they all send them to me and I don't know what to do with it. It's basically the same thing. You upload your music, but you have, you have nothing. You haven't done much more than, you know, went to a manufacturer and made yeah. a couple of CDs. <laughs> that's where you're at. I mean, there's nothing. Uh -huh. and, and that's why some of the, those uh, dis digital distribution platforms, they have a bad kind of notion around them because people expect that when they upload their tracks... That they Suddenly. sell a couple of tracks, but that is not the way it works because all you have done is you bought your access to a huge database. You can upload your stuff to all these databases, but nobody will find you if they don't search for you. And that's your part of the job, and which and that part has become huge. Yeah, it's a is. whole job in itself, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I can be a musician and I can write music and I can record it and I can stick it on services like this. So I'm out there, right? But then yeah. I need not, to give that really. up and then start a new job called marketing. And then I need to do that 24-7 for a long yeah. time until, until you know, something happens, until some, enough people buy my thing that it goes, like, viral or it tip, the tipping point happens or whatever. And... If I'm going to continue to be a musician, then the marketing part's not going to happen. So for every musician, there needs to be a really good marketer, I suppose. Well, that's, I mean, and I guess that's where a record label comes in as well. I mean, that's part of it. Exactly. In fact, next week, I should say now, next week there is no sh live show because uh, my daughter is in uh, a musical and the, she's in the matinee next week. Uh, she's playing the part of Annie in Annie. So I'm going to be going to that. Oh, wow. But at the same time, I did an interview with this band called Norel, who are Danish kind of pop uh electro kind of stuff and we were talking about that and they say they have to that this whole world of them to, of getting onto the social media and becoming promotional pr promoting themselves is, is quite alien and difficult for them and they were talking about that as well but anyway i think we should probably get onto a topic let's uh -huh. try uh, uh let's have a look see where we shall start i'm, try I'm trying to think now uh, uh well uh, actually what we should start is i did have a graphic which was korg have something cooking for november the first and uh I posted it on Facebook and said, oh, what do you reckon's coming? And then it's gone. The tweet's gone. It's all basically they took it down, which is really curious. But they were, basically it said something's coming November the 1st. Uh, and I, I was offered to sign an NDA so that I would know what it was. But then obviously I couldn't talk about it. So I chose not to sign the NDA. So now I can talk about it, but I don't know what it is. So, you know, it's a bit, a bit, a bit of this and that and the other. But it's, I think, non-Eric, it's got to be an 8 or 12 voice mini log style keyboard, don't you think? has to be. Yeah, I also tried your link that you sent me in. Yeah, it's gone. Gone. Gone with the wind. I'm getting yeah. uh, I'm getting kind of a little bit tired with all these sort of pre-announcement teaser videos, stuff like that. It's getting it's getting too much. I mean, if everybody does it, it's going to be a problem. But I think you're right probably probably polyphonic, right? I think it would have to be. I think there's that. I mean, there was also a lot of rumours about a 2600 remake, wasn't there? A sort of Carp 2600. So maybe mm. both of those, you know, that would be pretty awesome. And I wonder if they did indeed uh, or were thinking of doing the 2600 thing, I wonder how much it would be. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Do you, do you, think, do you mm. think that a, a, a large, a, a higher voice count mini log would be enough or does it have to have something else because i mean I, I i like the mini log i think it's great i use it in my life setup i i really enjoy it it's it's a great fun musical instrument but it's quite limited in some ways and obviously it's got those kind of not mini midi keys i guess you'd call them so i'm guessing you know maybe a, a mini log pro yeah with a decent keyboard a couple of more voices Two or three more features. Off you go maybe a little bit like uh, the upgrade from system one to system eight in a way, mm. 
Maybe so. Yeah, that might be a, a possibility. But would you be excited by the uh, possibility of a of a Carp twenty six hundred? Yeah, I would be. Yes, I would like to own a twenty six hundred <laughs> at some point. Although, whenever I've been faced with one, I've never really been able to figure it out. I mean, an Odyssey is hard enough, you know, if you're not used mm. to the signal flow. So, a twenty six hundred is even more difficult. What do you reckon they could charge for it? This is a big problem. I mean. The deep mind is setting will be probably selling for eight hundred, nine hundred here in Germany, maybe even less, and that's gonna sort of set a new set a new bar for a polyphonic keyboard. I think it should be around a thousand for a twenty six hundred. Yeah, maybe a hundred. Yeah, I think maybe that might be an answer. Yeah. What are you hoping to see, Mark? Um. What about an Electribe for Android? <laughs> Probably doesn't oh, warrant, know, such, like, doesn't warrant uh, yeah. such a tease, I suppose. But yeah, I take Not your point. Bad. Google Electribe. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of getting bored of all of these analog synths that keep coming out with knobs on and, and doing exactly the same as they've always done for the last 40 years. And I'd really like somebody to put something on, uh, you know, to just a different signal path or a different way of doing things and i do keep saying that and it hasn't happened has it so i mean why do we have to have two oscillators a envelope for the filter an envelope for the volume and all that i mean it's i know it's kind of almost a standardized way of doing things everybody's got their own kind of flavor of it but just something different, some other way of making sound or some other way of manipulating the sound or some integration of an aspect of FM or pulse width modulation or, but so, and putting samples in and me being able to put my own samples in and then granulate them and um, short circuit things. And I want to plug the... Uh, uh, I want to plug the clock into the audio and things like that and just get all the nasty noises into the signal path as well and then sort of make sounds that I can save somewhere and come back to. That would yeah, be cool. I mean, that's about what you, but what you possibly need is, I mean, this is the newest, that you know, the, as we see the Lyra 8, the Russian uh, drone machine, which I think is just fantastic. And if you haven't checked that out, uh, non Eric, you should really mm. take a look at that because it's just, it's got no, it's got sort of half... It's just eight oscillators in a mad pitch relationship with loads of FM and AM, and you just kind of go, yeah, make some drone stuff. And it sounds <laughs> mad. It's really mad. Anyway, I take How the point, How much is though, it? How much uh, is it? 500 euros. Okay. And then if it's, um, if it's grinding away and it's making noise and you need an envelope, you just mute it. How about that? <laughs> a fader. Yeah, manual yeah. envelopes. Yeah, woohoo. That's the, I don't know. But yeah, there seems to be... Well, I, I, I mean, I, think, I don't think it's fair to say that Korg have been hyping this. You know, they just put a graphic on their Facebook page that said coming November the 1st, which is actually only this Monday. So it's not like they've been going weeks and weeks in advance going, oh, there's something coming, there's something coming. Look at this corner of a shot. You know, they've been quite pedestrian in terms of pre-marketing, wouldn't you say? No, no, yep. it's not exactly. You know, I, I don't think you can yeah. accuse them of, of overdoing it. Yeah, but, but uh, what Mark said is, I mean, most of the stuff you said you can already do in some way or shape with a modular system or with something else, couldn't you? I yeah, mean, so so we get it into a form factor that makes it feel so for the kinesthetic people, it makes it feel like it's something cool to work with, and it has a feel that integrates well with your workflow, and then it becomes something interesting. Yeah. I'd uh, just like to say uh, November the 1st is Tuesday, not Monday. Sorry about that, in case you'd already booked your alarm call. <laughs> and it's we Tuesday, also... not Monday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we also uh, have to be aware that there's a couple of, there's lots of younger people out there. For them, all this is still totally fascinating. They, they've, they've, they've uh, worked the software plugins and they've, you know, tried all yeah, the emulations. Absolutely. And now they're eager you know, to, get, to lay their hands on on the real thing, on a real synthesizer, I have one, but I, I, but I doubt whether this is a sustaining business that will be, you know, establish itself and be as big as it is now as a market um, for the next 10 years. I doubt it because after two or three uh, purchases of a real analog synthesizer, uh -huh. you know, you realize that, oh, my Urs Heckmann synths sound just as good. And they all fit in my laptop. 
And I don't need right. this, so, lots of space. And we're, we're kind of on the tour, you know, a round trip yeah. tour. Well, it's <laughs> so like that's real. why we needed to do something new, because what happened was yeah. they had synthesizer development and we... We added samples to things that so we had the Profit VS. We could put wavetables in and we had filters and wavetable things. And then we started moving into software. Then we started like Steinberg brought out the VST format and then everybody sort of focused on that. And analog or and digital synthesizer development sort of slowed down in the background while everyone focused on plugins. And now we've come out of focusing on plugins mainly because we're bored and we've gone back to almost backwards into synthesizer development and nobody's gone oh let's do the next thing i mean i know there have been a couple of expensive ones along the way which have been interesting but well, yeah i have I it's have like a let's have some of that really expensive technology and put that in synths and let's I, I keep theory, developing a, the synth i've got a theory about this as well because for many of us uh it's also about getting the ideas out and down. You know, Ableton Live was enabled you know when that came out we mustn't forget that it it it, it was actually a kind of bit of a groundbreaking moment in terms of how quickly yeah. you could throw your ideas and make things. And with synthesizers, familiarity and simplicity mean as an instrument you can play it very quickly and very easily. You know, and the subtractive model is easy to understand, you know, once you've got the rough grasp of it. So once you introduce massive concepts into things, these then become a bit of a barrier in terms of just playing some stuff and doing it, you know, unless you're just <laughs> flipping presets, right? It's a bit like with cars, you know, we've seen the cycle, the, the next big cycle may be the self-driving or the uh, electrical car. But until now, you know, we sort of uh, basically agreed on one set of controls and how things work. And that's why I can just rent a car and, you know, and yeah, drive I think that's away a that's and a, I know how I know. it works. That's a different analogy because in that set, it's down to safety and familiar view, yeah. But yes, in, in many ways, you're right, I suppose. Um, we've probably covered this a little bit in the past. So uh, perhaps... Oh, yeah, uh, many, many times. Many, many times. But, uh, but as we do, you know, I mean, it's just... <laughs> it, it, it's an ever... You know, every time something new comes along, then uh, and we don't know what it is yet. But let's say, for instance, so we're hoping for perhaps maxi-log, poly-log, whatever it may be. Maybe something that's got, you know, a split or multi-timbral. Maybe also... I think multi-timbrality is on the way out because it means you have to buy more of them instead of using the same one. <laughs> several times so i think from a marketing yeah. point of view it's a, it makes no sense whatsoever and also possibly the uh, carp 2600 so let's see if there, any either of those things come out and it's not maybe a volca metronome or something like that so we'll see <laughs> uh at this point let's let's take a break and uh, say thank you very much to our sponsors yes uh, because without them who knows what would happen well we probably still do it anyway anyway Isotope Vocal Synth, the plugin for processing vocals. Four modules. We've got Polyvox, which goes harmonies, octaves, unisons, based on the obviously the pitch of the incoming vocal. The vocoder. And CompuVox as well. And finally, TalkBox, without the dribbles. If you want to check this out for yourself, please go to isotope.com forward slash vocal synth where you can get hold of a fully functioning demo. Once again, we thank Isotope for their continued sponsor of the show. It is very much appreciated, as I'm sure they are aware, and I hope as our listeners, you are as well. So... Uh, at Every week, uh, they have been announcing a competition. And last week, we asked you to tweet a hashtag, and I'll give you the uh, the results of that competition first this week. This is uh, last week, we asked you to tweet the hashtag IamRobot and the hashtag VocalSynth to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. And we have a winner from last week is somebody called Particle Smear. This is the Twitter handle at Particle Smear. Um, which is how you'd expect to spell it. So if you want to get in touch, Mr. Particle or Mr. Smear or Miss Particle or Miss Smear, however you like to be known, uh, please email in, uh, use the contact form or contact us via any one of the usual uh, channels and we'll pass you on to Isotope and they'll be able to give you a copy of Vocal Synth. And also we got another comp competition this week. Uh, this week we're asking you to tweet the hashtag AutoHarmony, that's one word, the hashtag AutoHarmony and the hashtag VocalSynth to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. 
Uh, for those of you listening and can't watch this, this is the hashtag AutoHarmony, one word, and the hashtag VocalSynth to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And that will get you entered into the competition where we will pick next week, <coughs> excuse me, a winner based on uh, the algorithm of our random competition-winning supercomputer. Right. Okay, here we go. Let's get straight to it. This is the new news, Ableton's new export live session, which is an SDK that uh, several iOS apps have uh, started using. Those being Blocks Wave, Trick Track, Drum Machine Patterning, IK Oscillator and Chord Gadget as well. Looks like it goes out as to Dropbox, and then you can pick that up on your computer, thereby getting around the dreadful sandboxing that you get on iOS <coughs> devices. And then you can carry on working on it, build on it, and then resync it with Ableton Link. What more could you ask? I mean, this seems to me, I mean, this is the sort of thing that is, seems like it should have been happening years ago. It's a great idea. I know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I know Peter Kern created digital music and Synthetype. We've all picked up on this, and it's kind of the idea that we can fiddle around on our phone, export it, uh, assuming all these apps take up the SDK, which as far as I know, you just request it and build it in, and it must be just a simple API, and, you know, I I'm guessing. Is this going to change everything? I mean, it seems like a pretty big deal to me, even though it's just a software feature, you know, just one simple thing, right? Okay, let me try to figure out what it actually does. So it's Ableton linked to, say, Ableton on the desktop, and I'm using an app. And when I'm done, I will export to Ableton Live. But where in the timeline, in the time, will that appear? Will that be a clip? No, it's a session. It's an entire session. So it creates. Okay. So basically, if you would say using, uh, say, Core Gadget, and you had multiple tracks and multiple patterns, you just went export to live. Core Gadget is actually a really cool music-making application for one of the sort of more advanced ones on uh, iOS devices. You go export to Able to Live. It creates an actual Ableton session with the patterns, audio clips, in the mm. scenes because it, it were, and, and then you bring that in and then if somebody else was working on a tune that was linked via uh, just via the uh, Ableton link or the Korg uh, I've forgotten what the Korg one's called and they were jamming along they, and, and they had an also compatible app they would export too and then you would merge the two things bring them in as documents and then just have the whole thing and carry on working on it because it would the, the clips would be basically bounced and turned into an Ableton document, an Ableton live session document. So it's it's not just bouncing a WAV file, it's bouncing the individual elements and it's turning it into a document that you can load as an Ableton live session. Does that make sense? Are you, are you getting that now? No, no, it makes... Am I talking? Go. I am yeah, talking. Go. You are talking. It makes sense to me, and it makes sense to me. I can't really show you on this screen, but this I, is... That's our oscillator, isn't it? Yeah, but if you go in IK Oscillator's save thing, you've got this thing that says create as Ableton project. And you can do exactly that already from here. So you, you uh, export to Dropbox. It creates an Ableton session. You double-click on it. It loads up, and it has the four tracks from the IK Oscillator as scenes, basically. Um, so I guess Korg been doing i mean i've had that in here for ages and i use it quite a lot for doing things you'll never see it on the screen because i know my video mm. quality mm. is not good enough to actually see it uh, uh, and the hot tip if you ever want a free copy of ableton live light and you've got ik oscillator you can just email yourself as many of them as you like <laughs> <laughs> sorry i shouldn't have, shouldn't tell you that really so but, maybe um, maybe that's that's something that uh, yeah so it's that, that sorry you just Oops. twanged yourself. No, this. Uh, <laughs> oh, you dropped. You dropped your Sennheiser. I dropped my Sennheiser. So that means I can sort of also get around all that headache and nightmare of getting my music out of the iPad into yeah. a yeah. AW. But currently only propeller heads, right? Reason and. Uh, life support that most probably is correct. 
Uh, well, I think the way that works is on the desktop. Uh, yes, I think. Uh, um, I, I well, only think, Aura no, does it only. Doesn't only Q, work. Doesn't Cubasis support it as well? You can export Cubasis uh, sessions to uh, I, I think via Dropbox. I think if I remember correctly, but I'd have to check that. So if they, if but does it mean? Oh, hold on, hold on a sec, Mark. Sorry. Okay. Does it mean only? Does it mean it's connected to Ableton Live on the desktop? Doing that? No. Or will it, there be? Or will there be a general feature of Link so that if Steinberg supports it, Persona supports it, they all will be able to do that? Doesn't that sound would, like no, it doesn't. This is an Ableton directive, I think. It would, but that is ultimately where you want to get export as a you know standard OMF thing with the web files. Yes, please, love to do that. Thank you, that would be great. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, but yeah, sorry, Mark, carry on. No, I was just going to say. I mean, in 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 uh, use, taking playing around with stuff in IK Oscillator and dumping it into an Ableton sessions, really good fun because I sometimes walk the dog to a drum beat and then make little tunes up. But the limitation of IK Oscillator is that you're really just painting with numbers. You're kind of using their almost like their preset scales yeah. or preset patterns and it's very limited so it but i like doing it and i like being able to dump stuff in ableton and then being able to work on it later and there has to come a point where um you you know syncing ableton to the phone again and then doing some other stuff would be a really cool thing to do but also if all my other apps did it i'd just be doing that all the time because i do make music on the phone um and i do find it useful to get that via Dropbox into whatever I'm doing. So um, I want to. I, I think it's a cool thing, and I want to see it in some of my other music-making yeah. applications. So if, yeah. if, if they've kind of turned it into an SDK, uh, I think it's something that would be massively useful to people. I mean, in the same way this music memos thing works as well, you can dump stuff into GarageBand with music memos. It's just getting them all to agree on a format, isn't it? And to yeah, well, see the, why yeah. musicians would see this collaborative format as being uh, an important thing and why it could be a valid selling point for their software. Yeah, but I suppose every time it happens, it's just a... I mean, because let's not forget GarageBand, when it came out, I'm going to, what was that, iOS 6 or something like that? It had that thing where you could basically connect a load of people all with GarageBand on iOS devices, yeah. jam... And then go, okay, go and get all the stuff that's just happened and bring it all into a master session. I mean, that was, you know, that was done a long time. But again, it's only between, I mean, have you ever tried that, non-Eric? I mean, it's, no. it's actually really impressive. You know, I could be playing yeah, yeah, yeah. keys and drum and just bring the whole session is synced and then it just pulls it all together, you know, just do it. Button. That's what There's we what, want. Yes, we do. <laughs> but we not do just for, for Ableton Live and not only for Garage Band. No, I would agree with that. But mm. anyway, good work, Ableton. Uh, I th I'm guessing it's probably only going to be working in 9.7, which is the latest release, which is fixed. Seems to be mostly geared towards improving push to workflow rather than any major, major stuff going on. Uh, right. So, uh, what's the next thing that we should look at? Oh yeah, anyone, anyone, anyone interested in this? Oh my lord, that's loud. This is the new Reactable Rotor, a new version of the Reactable uh, app, which I'm guessing on iPad Pro are probably a bit more useful. But what's really cool about this, or at least different, is it's got these little hardware widgets, which as with the original Reactor, you put on top and twist and turn and move and do all of the things that you know, do in the full, extremely expensive Reactable. Available in the App Store. I'm wondering if this again, you know, this is again another iteration of, you know, this uh, this continual attempt to try and integrate hardware and just touchscreen so there is something tactile to actually work on. And whether or not, I mean, Reactable is a tricky one because when you see a Reactable in the flesh, it's just a very impressive thing and it looks amazing and you think, wow, it's great. And there are all these, well, Bjork is the only person I can actually think of who uses it live. Uh, Matt Robertson does some stuff with it and he does some really nice music with it. But it seems, it's, it's, it's so niche, it's got a queue of about... Point one. It's like the the finest possible, you know, trench of interest. So I'm wondering whether or not this is going to uh, influence people. But I, I like the idea of this this uh, add-on stuff. And we've talked about some of these before. Have you seen Reactable in the flesh, 
not Eric? Yes, 2006 at yes, Soha. Well, that's true. Yeah. 2006 wow, at Soha. Wow, was it that long ago? Like, I remember that. Well, I saw it at Mesa, yeah. I think, the same year or maybe the year after. Yeah, and uh, very impressive to look at. Lots of fun. Uh, I got the reactable app for iPad. Also great fun, but for my liking, too limited. Too limited in functionality, simply too limited to get something on a going on a bigger scope. Even even some self-evolving drones. Of, oh, maybe I was just stupid, but I couldn't get anything out of it that was meaningful. Meaningful, yeah. You know what? I think you're tackling it wrong. What you're not supposed to use it for is anything meaningful. You're supposed to use it for oh, having right, a camera, having a camera pointing at you an overhead that looks all beautiful so the audience go ooh look at that that must be really clever and so it's, it's a, a show effect it's, it's only kind of a, it's a light show isn't it really yeah <laughs> okay sort of Mis misunderstanding <laughs> on my part yeah you fool <laughs> it's not an instrument it's a light show all oh, right I, I mean we did i remember mark didn't you buy some of those there were those little stick-on knobs that you could get that worked on on the screens of ios devices well, yeah, it's funny you said you should say that because I just dragged them out my desk drawer. You see, like here we go. Look at that. Oh, nice. Oh, it's fallen off. No, wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, that's not working so good. Wait, a fader, a fader. Oh, look at that. Yeah, you can. I mean, hey. and it works like it. It's underneath. It has like a kind of a pen thing, like a capacitor. Like point. A, yeah, and it. I mean, they work. Have I used them? Um, not a lot. <laughs> Downloaded Reactable uh, for the iOS. Have I used that? Not a lot. Um, and I think I found I had the same problem as non-Eric. I just, I couldn't, I, I, I just seemed to have, you know, a few drum loops in there that they'd given me that I didn't really like. And um, it's, it's as complicated as a modular synth, but you need to learn something different to make it work, to learn how to connect it all up to make it do yeah. things. And it's, I don't know, if you're sitting in a doctor's surgery and you're waiting to go to see your doctor, I mean, that's a, that's a long wait usually, so you might get into it there if you remember your headphones, but beyond that, no, I haven't really used it a lot. So, And, and um, if you remember... But I do think it, it looks like a brilliant thing, so... Sorry, what was that, Nonner? And if you don't forget to bring your dongle, if you're you, a Mac, you uh, iPhone user, <laughs> a ah, dongle. Just, you have to have a dongle. Yeah, really? for the headphone. Oh yes, of course. That. Oh too. God. Oh yeah. Well, that's a whole other thing, isn't it? The thing about Reactable, as with anything that you're going to have stick on hardware, I mean, I, I think with an iPad Pro, I mean, these things work. I mean, you know, we have uh, an uh, iPad One in the office that we use basically to, to control all of that stuff over there. And it's permanently there. It gets moved around a bit sometimes. And I could see that, you know, if you've got a sort of almost semi-permanent installation, you might stick something on the top of it and it would be always on usage, use case, where you might consider that. But I suppose that's part of the problem. If it's a multi-purpose device, you've got to have a pocket full of whatever it is that you've got to stick on the thing. You've got to make sure they stick on and don't fall off. Just you know, it's got to be big enough. Use the bag that you're carrying your uh, Apple dongles with you. Yeah. I the mean, Apple <laughs> dongles bag for that. Yeah. No problem. The Clagnut case. That's right. <laughs> I mean, so we need to have a rucksack for this, you know? Yeah, we'll have all the extra bits and pieces. <laughs> yes. I mean, if a software manufacturer... That. If a software manufacturer was to make uh, software that worked on older hardware, there would be an argument for buying old iPhone 3, uh, 3Gs, wouldn't there? You could buy like loads of them and use each one of them for a different single task. Yeah. And stick one of these things on it, and and then you'd have a tactile interface, wouldn't you? I suppose. Um, I suppose. Yeah. Well, that's what I do. I, I mean, we, I we bet buy. This thing I, needs the latest version of iOS, and it probably needs a really fast processor to do yeah. all the things it's meant to do. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we buy uh, iPhone fives. You know, get them for a hundred quid, sixty-four gigs off uh, off eBay, and we use those as remote cameras for our live streaming thing. And so they get used as single purpose. But rather than wow. iPod touches, I thought, well, actually, I just use the iPhone five, and then. When I go to the States, I can stick a SIM in it and have a second phone with a number on it and use it as a, as a you know, for posting social media or whatever. So, you know, you, you can repurpose these things, but often you sort of consider, 
what is it I need it for? You know, and, and yes, running reactable, you're going to need the fastest processor and what have you. But it's just that, that that interesting idea of blurring the idea of touchscreen and hardware and combinations of the two. I don't think anyone's quite cracked it yet, and I'm not sure that reactable mm. have this time. It does make it look more like the actual real reactable, but you to get the full effect, you're going to need an iPad Pro. And I don't know, what does a reactable cost? It's like 20 grand or something? I think it's something like that. The real one? Think because yeah. Are they actually sold? Yeah, you can buy them. For, you can get them installed for museums and, you know, places. In fact, I was looking on the... Where is it? Uh, I had it somewhere. Reactive. Yeah, I can't find the link anyway, so uh, that's probably a, a, a dead end. Anyway, perhaps... I, think, I, think I was just going to say one last thing. The psychology of attaching something to something that's already a multi-purpose device. So my phone isn't a telephone. It already does loads of things, like plays music, takes photographs, tells me where I am and how to get to the shop, etc., etc. I can talk to people on social media. I can go on websites, all that. So attaching something to it that basically kills it and makes it a one static thing <laughs> is a uh, it's a psychological kind of trap for most people, isn't it? If they can't, if they, if they're going to go, I've just stopped that thing from being multifunctional and made it single functional. I think that's part of why. Uh, and then if you're going to so if you're going to buy something like this you need your psychologically you would want that thing that you stuck to this multi-purpose thing that needs to be multi-purpose as well in your mind doesn't it yes that's think? true <laughs> well there and there is the conundrum but you know some of the greatest minds in music technology are obviously will continue to work on this and it will continue to be a thing um, right, let's have a look. What else have we got? There was a... Oh, yeah. What do we think about um, Android, then? We've done iOS. FL Studio Mobile. Some lovely uh, vanilla EDM happening Welcome on a, a, a tab. Studio Mobile tablet free. of some kind. In this tutorial... And possibly the most undynamic voiceover I've ever heard in my life, but FL that's not really the point. Works on Android, iOS, Windows... But, the, I mean, the big news is, really... Uh, that they, from what I understand, they're kind of stopping development of the product version two lifecycle of the FL Mobile, FL Studio Mobile, and they're putting it all into two, into three, which is going to be Android and iOS, and it's a kind of ground up right rewrite. And I guess this is only big news because Android devices, you know, they are everywhere, dirt cheap. It's a free operating system. It's open operating system. It's got all all the things that iOS doesn't have. It kind of has but it doesn't do some of the things that iOS does. So is that going to be the future? Uh, is there a future there? Not Eric. I mean, do you use any Android devices in your life or are you an iPhone yes. and an Apple? Yes. Okay. I, I used, I smashed my iPhone 5 and I needed a telephone with a headphone jack. So I got myself a, motor, a cheap Motorola Android and it's a, <laughs> for the money, I think I spend uh, 160 euros and the thing has got a full HD display, double SIM slot, SD card, exchangeable battery. Hooray. Yeah, not for long. Oh, what? And, <laughs> and um, but the point I want to make is um, two things. You said they're stopping the, the cycle of two. And now it's only FL Studio Mobile 3. I think that's basically because you cannot charge for an upgrade in the iTunes store, right? In the App Store. So ah. that, for, de for developers, a huge problem. If they spend a lot of money developing a, a new version or an update, they can't go to the existing users and say, hey, it's 5 euros, 10 euros for an update. It's just simply not possible. I did not know and that. And that's okay. why they have to have the whole new version number. Oh, well, that's clear. I mean, yeah, fair enough. I mean, why wouldn't you? But yeah, that's yeah maybe that's why they're going on about how it's been rewritten from the ground up and all of those things to justify it. And it's still only, that's what, it's 15 bucks or something. I mean, it's not exactly, you know. £13.49. Yeah. I've got 14. it there, look. £13.49. Ah, right. So it's, it's on there. And the, base, the biggest <laughs> problem... <laughs> Biggest problem with Android is that um, because it's available for so many different devices, it's a bit like Windows versus Mac yeah. OS, where the Windows for a long, long time, there is no standard. There's no ASIO, ASIO, ASIO that's what yeah. you call it. Yeah. That's what Steinberg had to develop a kind of a standard so that circumventing parts of the operating system to get low latencies and that hasn't happened for android yet there is no I thought generic it had just happened 
Oh, really? I, well, Hasn't yeah. somebody just written an Android USB driver in the last month, maybe, even? Oh, okay. Well, we, we, I mean, it's not designed so much for kind of real-time operation. That's the problem. It's, I mean, real-time in terms of real-time processing of throughput, you know, like audio in to audio out or that kind of thing. That's the thing that's always been an issue because there are other higher priority um, processes going on, I guess. Uh, let me see. Android... Yeah, lots of uh, much higher latency, and it's uh, there, there's a I think from IK Multimedia they released I think for a couple of their apps and hardware uh, special drivers, but only for a range of telephones. So so that's uh, the problem. And there was another thing only that I only for certain audio app, um, audio devices as well. So it's yeah, limited yeah. So to a list of devices, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, uh, to be fair, I know that, um, for instance, I think some of the Behringer uh, Xair, uh, the Xair app, which runs on uh, Android as well, is is only available for certain Android devices, not every single one. So I mean, but uh, and I guess that the problem is, is when you've got 97, 98, 99 versions of kind of slightly different flavors of kind of Chinese uh, mobile devices, which have got different versions of Android, then it becomes quite hard because you don't get the standardization of the hardware and you need something that has a minimum specification and whatever that is, because we're not so, I mean, it usually just goes down to with, with mobile devices, how much storage has it got and how many cores has it got? You know, that's about as far as it goes. We don't think what's the graphic engine, what's the, what's the DSP in it? You know, we don't get, we don't really sort of look at those sort of things and they're not really made available. So it's harder, I'm guessing, I mean, to, to, to mm. deal with that. One question, uh, Mark, oh. you got the app already? No, I haven't got there. I was gonna. I, I've went out because people keep coming in my store and asking for things, and I and a lot of people don't know how to use computers and are frightened of them. So I went out and I bought a tablet for twenty five pounds. I think this was because I thought I just need to look to find out what's in the Google App Store and what's just what is available. And the best thing I've discovered so far is a thing called Caustic, which is also available yeah. on iOS, which oh, is yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And on this £25 device works very well indeed. Um, <laughs> but what I discovered Great. is there's so many different processors like ARM v6, ARM v7, and all different iterations of those processors. And then um, it's, uh, you know, there's so many different operating systems as well. It seems to get uh, upgraded like almost weekly in little kind of jumps and steps. And it is well, unbelievably only, uh, confusing trying yeah. to work out what to buy and i may have landed with this particular device more by luck than judgment actually um and, and like you i uh i don't want to buy an apple phone that i can't plug headphones in and i'm getting fed up with ios and i'm thinking it's time to just investigate this a bit and see if it's worth making the leap to to android and the people i think mm. who do the driver let me just see if i can find uh, I've just found this one, which is Extreme SD. Is that them? There's, there's something called Audio Driver in USB Audio Player Recorder Pro and Audio Mobile. Uh, uh, it's a host cable. I probably need audio, to So, well, the software I found is a piece of software called Audio Evolution, and oh, yeah. it will talk to a good range of audio cards. So I got that, the Behringer UCA222, and they seem to work quite well together. Um, That's the same guys, yeah. Audio Evolution yeah, and Mobile. The, and they make a, a driver specifically for, and they have a list of different hardware that it will work with. And it's kind of like an ASIO driver if we wanted to make an analogy to the PC world. But I think this world's about to happen. I think it's mm. a little bit kind of shaky. Like, I mean, I, I tried downloading a few loopers and found that the latency on it was just like absolutely beyond the joke. Um, and some of the audio quality, you know, not anywhere near where you could just plug a guitar into it and use it for something, because that's what I'm thinking. Um, no, but I, I mean, that's... That, you have to be fair, Mark. It's 25 euros, right? Or quid, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, 25 euros. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. you know, you have to... It's got to, a camera to, in uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, I made this sw switched to the Android phone, and I was kind of shocked how good it was. 
I mean, 170 yeah. euros, especially it's a stock Android because it's a Motorola. So it's the latest version of Android. It's a stock version. It's no crap on there. And the things, yeah. and there's a couple of things that you could do. You say, wow, I can't do that on my iPhone. And this is really, really clever. You know? Yeah. So I think I'm sometimes it's very important, you know, to at least spend some time and, you know, and look what has happened in, you know, next door. Yeah. Um, and this has got Wi Fi on it. I switched this on. It said, Have you got a Google account? I said, Well, for this, I don't want to put my Google account in because I'm not sure where it's going to go. So I might sell this to someone else or whatever. So I said, No. Within 20 minutes, it had me set up with email and, um, a Google Play account and all that kind of stuff. And basically, nobody has an excuse not to be on the internet anymore, really, because it's so <laughs> simple to do. Um, yeah, well, and I, I it's take not point. expensive. So, Well, I'm, I'm a big fan. This is the uh, Galaxy S5, which is brilliant. And it's one of the last ones that you can take the battery out of the Samsung range and, you know, change the... And, mm. I, I, you know, it's fine. Why are they changing yeah. that, then? Uh, well, I don't reason? know. I I, th I think it's just one piece manufacturer probably makes it easier to to control you know the back falling off or whatever anyway mm. one last point on the uh, Android software what I saw when I looked at the uh, video is there was a mouse pointer <laughs> yeah I think I wasn't sure <laughs> and, and what was what's going yeah, on and they're there, probably using kind of some kind of uh, display software like you can also use on your uh, for iOS but yeah. I find that uh, the user interface looks very much like the Cubasis user interface for iOS, which I find looks it might be pretty awesome to control with a mouse. But just just using the philosophy of a mouse-driven interface and putting it on a touch interface, it's no good. No. It's doesn't no work. Good. It certainly no. does not. I would agree with very, you. Very, very. Are they going to? Are they going to put that software across all platforms as well? So their no, version well, of FL uh, Mobile no, FL, will be FL, on iOS or not? Yes, yes. But yeah, FL will be on iOS. Is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, let's see. What else did we get? Oh, yeah. I went to see John Carpenter live. Ooh. Oh, I'm Germany's biggest John Carpenter fan. Really? It was, I was here. Yeah. The thing is, I was a bit gutted because I paid quite a lot for the tickets and then I saw they were filming it and I didn't know they were streaming the whole thing. <laughs> so it was a bit disappointing, really. <laughs> but uh, hold on. Let me... <laughs> But he started with he started with uh, Escape from New York, and then and then he went and then they went into. Uh, oh, yeah. I probably shouldn't play much of this because I'll get busted. But uh, and then Escape from New York, and then they went into um, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Here we go. I'll, I'll let's play the beginning of this band were pretty rocking. I did get a little bit David Hasselhoff at, at times, I must admit. Which I think is big in Germany also, right? No, no. Yeah. He is. Hold on, I just it just, just got it. And it, what was amazing was hearing just these synth riffs coming out of... Oh, yeah. Disappointing. Anyway, I won't play any more of that because I will get busted. Disappointing. Disappointing to see him on as this miniature. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, on your keyboard. They were using. Uh, to be honest, they were using uh, the both keyboard players were using main stage, as far as I could tell. There was wow. a system. There was a system one on a table, mm -hmm. as well as a DSI Mofo. But I think the rest of it was all in the box. And they had obviously had their two guitarists, a drummer and a bass player. And I think the drummer was mm. playing, you know, then he was playing pads or whatever. Yeah. For some reason, they decided that velocity was a good idea on those metal, on those machine hi-hats, which is just... Anyway, it was, it was a great <laughs> experience, although it was very strange to see that happening live because it was very much enhanced by the back projection. They had some great... I mean, the thing was especially kind of uh, visceral. And there were some really shocking moments in it because I'm not familiar with all of John Carpenter's fil films, but he was talking a bit and he, he's... I don't know how old he is. He must be over 70. And it was just... It was great fun, but it did get extremely cheesy from time to time, which was which was uh, not so much of the fun. But I guess that's... Yes. It was quite a quite L.A. muso kind of lead guitar... That kind of Ugh. stuff. So you're a big you're a big fan then, non Eric, right? Yes. 
I did uh, one. My biggest uh, club hit was called Superstitious, and it uses the outro music from The Fog. Ah, he did speak. that. He did The Fog. Ah, okay. But it only happens at the end. Right. So, do you still uh, do you still pay uh, pay the royalties for that, those those recordings? <laughs> no royalties. It's not stolen. I'm sorry. I don't it's an, it's 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 an adaptation. <laughs> I don't know the German uh, the English word, but uh, in German was we would say it's verjährt. It means there is no prosecution anymore because it's some enough time has passed. Ah, okay. Cannot be. I hope I cannot be prosecuted. But what was? What I tell you? What was really great about it was just like I say, hearing these monster synth riffs. Although yeah. I did start, I was thinking actually some of these sounds were really not very good. You know, I mean the bass sound was very distinctive, but some of the other sounds that were being used were actually really not very good. It was more to do with the melody, and I just thought, oh, that's interesting that the melody was the strongest, particularly with, you know, some of his more famous soundtracks. It wasn't really about the sounds. You know, it was electronic, but the other thing that was quite amusing was, uh, I don't know if you remember in the in the original soundtracks, but they were just shockingly out of time. I mean, it was really, it was all hand-played, but, but also really hand-played and sort of not gone back to and fixed when perhaps, you know, maybe it could have been played a bit better. And watching it live, it was all played much better because <laughs> they'd obviously been rehearsing it. So that was kind of fun. That was definitely a big difference to it. I know, Mark, are you a fan of uh, Mr. JC? Um, I didn't know I was till a moment ago. I just looked him up on Wikipedia and discovered that he made that film Christine, the one where the car's just chasing the, oh, uh, those people relentlessly. But that was a really... I, that film stuck in my mind for years and Actually, he haunted the, me he for closed a really the show long with that. time. He closed Did the he? show by saying, he said, uh, and remember, folks, drive safely because Christine's out there and then started playing the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there you go. And that looked, yeah, a lot of his films did look very relentless. And and, uh, and he also tackled, uh, I think, um, Big Trouble in Little China. Was that his? Was that mm, yes. one that he did? Uh, that And that was an Ennio Morricone, Morricone. I think it was Ennio Morricone. And he played the opening credits for that in the style of, you know, the John Carpenter band. and and But it was just great seeing all those characters up there, you know, the Snake Plissken and uh, basically, God, who's the name of the main character? Um, what's the name of the, the, the actors who did all of his stuff? He was in Escape from New York, uh, Escape from L.A. Ken Russell. Ken, Kurt Russell. Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Kurt Russell, that's right. And he was in so many films, <laughs> as well as Donald Pleasance, and I didn't realise. I must go and watch some more stuff. But, yeah, he, he, oh, may, yeah. Be coming, he may be coming and to Alice Germany. And Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. Oh yes, that's, I, I thought I thought that was Harry Dean Stanton, but you're right. It was it was, wasn't it? Now Alice think about Cooper, it. yes. Awesome. Anyway, awesome. Uh, that was great fun, and um, I suppose that you know, on an up note, it was nice to see you know some uh, electronic music being played live, and the fact that it was streamed was also pretty cool as well. Oh, that was, which I suppose took us into that other thing, which I didn't really uh, get into. Did you see that the uh, Boiler Room are going to debut uh, virtual reality music <laughs> yes. venue? I mean, it's a terrible graphic, but I don't know. I think that they're, they're building a purpose-built thing. They're teaming up with uh, a leading provider of 360 and VR entertainment to create an inception, they're called, to create an actual venue whereby presumably it will be streamed or is it that the punters will be watched? But I don't know. That I, I think that's going to... I think that would have legs because, I mean, the boiler room stuff is generally quite static, isn't it? I mean, it's like a guy with a table and a, yeah. a camera in front. They might have another shot, but they've been doing it for so long. Would you? Would, I mean, do you think it would be something that I, I haven't really experienced the immersive three D experience apart from you know Google Cardboard on my Android phone, which is pretty good. <laughs> Maybe I'm the wrong guy to talk to th th about this actually because I'm trying to spend less time in the virtual world and more in the real world. <laughs> so I doubt whether I could endorse this. No, I'm sorry. Uh, but I don't know. I like the idea because obviously we're not going to be able to get. I mean, you could have been at the John Carpenter gig in virtual reality, wandering around cool. on stage, but not getting in the way of anybody, but still having a good look around. I mean, that could be cool for tech heads like that. And Mark, yeah. you did all that stuff with uh, Second Life, didn't you? I mean, because I so did. You must, is, are you still involved in that? Are they still going, or is it sort of died away? Um, I don't know. I think it sort of petered out a little bit, really. Um, 
Uh, I've not been in there for ages, so I'd probably have to go and have a look. I expect it's exactly the same as it was when I did it, what, almost 10 years ago, was it? Maybe. Gosh, is it really? Eight, seven, eight years ago. Um, I, I think I quite like this idea because I went to a venue in Glastonbury on Saturday. I went to the Fairy Ball, dressed as mm. the Raven King. Oh, nice. Um, with some feathers, you know, raven mm. feathers and all sorts of stuff. And... Um, uh, and then two bands that I couldn't get on with. I'm not saying they weren't any good. They were very good, very competent musicians. But one of them had bagpipes and mandolins and a lute. <sighs> and the other one uh, was sort of like a hard rock kind of medieval Saxon kind of folk band. Um, <laughs> With pitchforks. But because the, because the support band were from Norway, I just automatically assumed that this lot were from Norway as well. And I was really disappointed when I looked them up on the internet and found out they were from Weymouth in Dorset. <laughs> um, so that was disappointing. But, I, you know, if I could have just taken the virtual reality headset off and been back in my living room and then I could have watched, like, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> Poldark or something and then put it back on for the end, maybe, uh, that would have been possibly better than being yeah. in this venue where it's like my wife's going like should we go home and i'm like no we've come here with some friends we probably shouldn't leave them just yet <laughs> and then to find out from my friend later he said i'm really sorry i invited you to that i didn't know it was going to be like that <laughs> and and then he said my wife was uh saying you look to him that he looked like he was having such a good time that she didn't tell him for an hour and a half that she wanted to go home <laughs> and it'd been the other way so uh, all in all not a brilliant uh so you think a virtual, out, a virtual experience virtual reality yeah i could have just taken the headset off couldn't i or i could have gone i mean uh, the most interesting thing about that evening was they were putting the whole lot through a yamaha QL1 desk. So I got chatting to the sound guy about the desk. <laughs> so cool. as you say, I could have walked, and they had some really interesting looking amps on stage. So I could have walked around and looked at all their technology, then taken the headset off, watched Poldark, put the Come headset back, yeah. back on just in time to say goodbye to my friend. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't know. Um, I, I think I think it could be a possible. I mean, I'd, I'd like to experience it. I mean, I think the thing is, with uh, virtual reality stuff, there are still some kinks being ironed out because it does make you feel a bit weird after a while. I mean, some people get it worse than others where it just makes you feel like... just It's like going on running machines. Some people can go on a running machine and it's fine, but some people can't. They get real motion sickness and, and suffer really badly from it. And I think the same applies to, to the, the 3D world because... You know, without the support of the actual physical feedback, sometimes your brain just gets a little bit confused and it's like, wow, this is oh, a bit like too weird. Swimming. Like but, being on a train. Yeah, when well, you're sitting well, on a stationary train and the one next to you moves out the station, but you don't feel any movement and you think you're moving and you're not. Is it like that? I, well, I, I think I don't suffer from it, but I don't know. I think it could be an interesting and I think if anybody's going to do it and hopefully they'll do it right. So it maybe won't be just about being able to you know, look down the girl's top or whatever. It'll be about a fully kind of interesting <laughs> experience that will not just be about the, the showbiz and the, and the sexy part of it. It might be that you could you could find out some of those more interesting details. I mean, we've seen it before a little bit with live streams where you can choose what camera you want to look at and then, you know, particularly, you know, if it might be over the keyboard player or whatever. I mean, that sort of stuff can work. So maybe yeah, so. Yeah, I'm a liar, Nick. What? I'm a liar because when I said I, I want to spend less time in the virtual world than in the real world haven't i been spending a couple of hours in battlefield one recently oh okay well oh, yes. You know, yes escapism i, I can't get yeah. into it, but i mean i'm the same i mean i'll just sit there on my phone checking you know because uh, when you're in media you spend a lot of time looking for stories and looking for things that perhaps you should share mm. on your facebook page yeah. for, and it becomes a bit of an obsession so it's not healthy and it means I'm not outside very much, and I haven't been for a long time, really, and I should. Anyway, uh, that that lifestyle choice aside, we should probably say goodbye. It feels like it's about that time. I want to say thank you very yep. much to everybody for joining us. Thank you, Mr. Noronek, musotalk.de. Uh, your special is, did you say tomorrow or next week? On uh, Tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay. So Thursdays, uh, 27th. And are you, are you, are you're streaming that via what? Facebook and YouTube? YouTube okay. and on your stream. Okay. 
Super. Well, thank you very much for joining us, <laughs> Mr. Non-Eric and Musotalk.de. We'll see you again soon. I'll, I'll, I'll cut to save your embarrassment Thanks. there. <laughs> and also, Mark Tinley, thank you very much for joining us as well. It's been a pleasure as ever. Nice to see you back. Um, You're and very I welcome. hope that you get through your half-term um, nonsense and, you know, out through the other side. Like I say, <laughs> next week... Hey, can I... Can I drop in an exciting hot tip for guitarists? Go on. That's allowed. I've discovered a thing. This isn't me marketing anything either, by the way. This is my recommendation for guitarists. <clears throat> I've discovered this thing. It's called a... Can you see that? It's a mm -hmm. battery. Nine yeah. A PP3-style yeah. battery, right? Yeah. And then if I press this button on the side, can you see that lighty up thing on the side? Yes, LEDs. It's like a power meter, right? And now have a look in the bottom. Can you see you... that USB socket? Oh, so if you want to power your pedals, your guitar pedals, off a lithium-ion battery, that's exactly the same size as a PP3, and it's got 800 milliamps in it. So it's about three times as long-lasting as any Duracell that you might put in there. Whoa. Absolutely brilliant. They're designed for radio-controlled helicopters as well. Are they expensive? So they're, they're for radio-controlled helicopters, and they're unbelievably light. Well, I ordered it from China, and it's taken about three months to get here, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I think they were about £8, so not wow. massively expensive. When you consider an alkaline battery is probably about £150 to £2 now, and you can recharge this... Uh, I don't know, as many times as a laptop, 700 good. times or something. So I That's reckon this cool. is... That's the way forward for guitarists. Yeah, I, th I th yes. actually thinking about that, there should be ones where you could buy in blocks of uh, sets of two double A's and and four double A's that you could slot into the, uh, so you could charge the whole unit up and it just fits into that. That would be a good. Oh wow. Okay, I I've like got, that. I've got another solution for that, which is fire alarm batteries, which is a three point seven volt lithium iron battery, the same size as an AA, and if you use them and you combine them with uh, aluminium AA dummy blanks. You just put half as many batteries in and you can power um, anything that runs off AAs from that. But the only problem with that is because the equipment is designed for, uh, what are Duracell batteries? Alkaline batteries. Ah, okay. uh, alkaline batteries uh, go flat over a different period of time to lithium ion batteries. So your equipment just suddenly turns off without yeah, yeah. warning. That's no, the only, that's the only yeah, downside. Well, we get the same thing with us. We use lithium ion in our uh, Zoom recorders when we're doing, uh, uh, no, Tascam recorders when we're doing um, shows. And they last for days and days and days and then they just suddenly go dunk. That's a yeah, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, which is not so good if you're in the middle of a recording. Anyway, no. thank you, chaps. Thank you, non-Eric. Thank you, Mark okay. Tinley. Uh, we will see you next time. Oh, and we go now. See you later. Woo! Woo! Woo!